lived with. But today, he was just my dad. And this would be one of the last times I would drive to Spruce Meadows with him. I'd have to tell him soon. The afternoon shadow on his jaw was starting to show, making me want to reach out and touch it, like I used to as a kid. I had loved the sensation of that rough stubble against my cheek as he'd tickle me and throw me in the air. He never talked much, but when he did, people listened, and he was always thinking, it seemed. I doubt he ever had a spare moment of time to not think about shows, clients, the farrier, the vet, or about the hay. There were always worries about hay, its supply, the quality, rain during harvest, rain during delivery. I knew this drive well, having done it every summer for the last 10 years. We made pit stops along the way to check on the horses, to give them fresh water, let their legs rest, and then we'd be on the road again. At night, we'd sleep in the trailer, in small sleeping quarters built into the gooseneck. Dad said we saved money and time, which there never seemed to be enough of. Dad looked over at me. You want to drive? I was too surprised to answer right away. Sure, we can switch. Dad usually drove the entire way, although the last couple of summers, he had let me take the wheel for a spell. But don't do that thing you always do, I said. What thing? You know, watching my every move. Your knuckles get all white and your jaw clenches, and then that vein at the side of your neck looks like it'll pop. Dad wrinkled his forehead, but then his face softened. I promise I'll be good. Over my lifetime, we'd probably spent close to 600 hours in this truck together, driving all over the western United States and Canada interstate highways, pulling our trailer full of jumpers. For this trip, Dad had hooked up a camera in the trailer. Amazing technology, he'd said, tapping the monitor. Now we can watch the horses in the back while traveling in the front. Isn't this great? He'd laughed and slapped me on the back. On these trips, he treated me like a partner, and I liked that. I'd checked that monitor over a hundred times in the last six hours, gazing at the horses in the trailer. Jet, Seraphim, and Cervantes. Black, Chestnut, and Gray. Jet, my baby, always calm and wise. Seraphim, the anxiety freak, who should really be on the equine equivalent of Ritalin, and Cervantes, more of a teenager than I'd ever been, bucking, tearing up the paddock whenever he was turned out. Most of the time they just munched on the hay hanging in their hay nets. Sometimes they dozed, their heads bobbing with the rhythm of the ride. At one point I laughed aloud, imagining them as little briar horses in my plastic trailer that still stood on the shelf in my bedroom. As a child, I'd zoomed that plastic truck and trailer around the house with those horses in the back. A familiar scene playing itself out again, one I had done hundreds of times in my imaginary world. The sun started to set, reflecting from the side mirror straight into my eyes. I pulled my sunglasses down. If I haven't told you, I'm glad you're coming. Dad straightened his back as he leaned toward the steering wheel, his hands gripping it with pure excitement. This is it, Bryn. Cervantes, he's it. He's the horse of my dreams, and I want you to be there, to see his jump. It'll be something, all right. I can't believe he was passed up by all those trainers in Europe. He chuckled. I tell you, those Belgians don't know a good horse if it was to kick them in the teeth. You watch. With a more forward seat and a lighter hand, 
He'll jump a meter sixty, just like he was born to. Yes, but would he do it in a stadium in front of 60,000 spectators? But I smiled and nodded, dutifully, as I'd always done. Dad counted on that first-place prize, his share amounting to nearly 70,000. If Dad did well at this show, the winnings would pay for Cervantes, his shipping from Europe, and most importantly, he'd attract more clients for our training program. Those had been slower to come than he'd hoped. Are you excited? 